0: Good morning to each of you, I'm glad you're here, and we are in Colossians 3, I am preaching through Colossians, and there are notes on the back of the bulletin, and I am focusing on the first four or five verses, first four especially. And I've called this the results of the resurrection life, uh, which as I was sitting here this morning, I was thinking, I'm not sure about that title because uh, I'm going to talk as much about dying as rising. So maybe I should have said the title is the results of dying and rising. So, I want to begin with um, a summary of uh, Colossians 2, because that is the reason for uh, the first verse of chapter 3, which it begins with, uh, since, or therefore, if you then be risen, So, there's a reason why it starts that way in chapter 3. So, in chapter 2, in uh, verse 8, and I talked about this last Sunday, uh, in 2.8, Paul described the philosophy of men that is rooted in the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world. And those are phrases that we aren't familiar with, we don't think about it. Uh, we don't think about life that way and he says that this philosophy of men is the foundation for the three false i'm calling them isms in verses 16 to 23 and he he says that these three false isms at the end of the chapter will rob them of their reward or rob them of their spiritual inheritance or maybe heaven or spiritual experience or the results that God has in mind for people who trust in Jesus. Uh, The three isms are uh, ceremonialism, which is... uh, you have to eat certain food and keep certain days. And the second is mysticism, which involved uh, worship of angels. And then asceticism, which um, involves avoiding all that is physical as if the physical is evil. And uh, Paul. It's summarized in the King James as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. So these three isms and all these unbiblical beliefs and practices, Paul says, they are the result of a, a failure to understand who Jesus is and what he has done in his death and resurrection. Um a failure to experience the death and resurrection of Jesus inside ourselves. And so, uh, Paul says, so you have, Colossians, are in the process of uh, replacing worship of Jesus and being in an intimate relationship with him and living out of who he is. You replace that with human reasoning, and human efforts, and human religious systems that have no power to promote spiritual life and no power to defeat evil. And that's the last verse in chapter 2. Also in Colossians 2, in verses 5 to 7, Paul contrasts these philosophies And religious systems of men with the wisdom, knowledge, order, and way of life that they receive from Christ. And he says that the person who is rooted and built up in Christ will walk in Christ, will live an ordered life. So, so now I'm summarizing chapter 2. You have... A uh, philosophy of men and system, religious system of men, reasonings of men contrasted with faith in Christ and who Christ is and living out of Christ and living an ordered life out of Christ. So beginning with chapter 3, I think Paul is telling us how to defeat the flesh and live in. Upright, ordered life, and he tells us what an ordered, upright life looks like. So I'm going to read here uh the first five verses of Colossians three, and there are there are uh, matters here that we are going to consider like the meaning of being risen with Christ and setting your affection on things above, and what's it mean to be dead and risen with Christ. So, I'm reading from the New King James. If if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. And then there's a list. And I'm not going to focus on... Uh, the list this morning, don't have time. Uh, So first of all, I want to focus on you were raised with Christ. Uh, So yeah, I could ask the question, how were you raised with Christ? When did this happen? What does the Bible teach about this being raised with Christ? And what is the result of it? And the meaning, first of all, of dying and rising with Christ, this this is a fundamental uh, biblical teaching about being a Christian, is this thing of dying and rising with Christ. So uh, the meaning of dying and rising with Christ, to start with uh, verse 1 here, Uh, The King James says, if you then be raised with Christ, and the idea is since you have been. It's not if maybe. This is a statement of true to reality. This is what has happened. If you are a believer, you have experienced this. This this is not a maybe we did and maybe we didn't matter. It's an assumed reality. This has happened without a doubt and is not a maybe sort of thing. And this idea of being raised with Christ was introduced in chapter 2 already in verse 12. Uh, The believer has died and risen with Christ, says there, and Paul presents this death And resurrection with Christ as a reason a person experiences Christ's presence and lives a new life. We died and were buried with Christ when we identified with him. And then we were raised with Christ, uh, 2.12, through the faith of the operation of God, which has the idea through faith in the working of God who hath raised Christ from the dead. And so the idea here is that God can raise, if God can raise Christ from the dead, he can raise us from the dead too, spiritually. Uh, so the question is, how and when have we been raised with Christ from the dead? And I'm going to go here to Romans 6. It's, in my mind the easiest place to go to talk about this. Uh, Romans 6 uh, the first few verses there. So I'm going to read here from Romans 6. Uh, Again this is the New King James. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Our Lord. Now, as I'm reading those verses, I'm thinking, oh my, there are so many phrases, so many words here, so many. What in the world do they mean? And what am I going to say to make this clear? So, when does this death happen? And uh, Verse 3 of Romans 6 says this death takes place when we are baptized into Jesus Christ. And my understanding is it is not talking about water baptism. It's talking about when we identified with Christ. I'm not saying water baptism doesn't matter. I'm saying I don't think that's the focus of that word here. When we identified with Christ, my understanding is it's talking about when we receive Christ as our Savior and Lord. That in that moment, God works an operation. He does an operation in our hearts. And something dies. In the same way that he died on the cross. And since we are identifying with him... Bear with me. It's as if, I don't like what I'm saying. It's as if we died on the cross with him. Well, maybe we did. I don't know if you can get that picture or not. In our receiving of Christ, whatever it meant for Christ to die on the cross, that's what happens to us in our new birth. Because God works an operation in our heart. He operates in our hearts and something dies. Well, what is it that dies? So, Romans 6.6 talks about what dies as our old man was crucified with him. And I know things aren't getting any better because it's like, what does old man mean? And uh, you may disagree with me, that's fine. Uh, I'll just tell you my understanding of what Paul means by old man. Uh, I believe it means something like old self and And I think it's referring to the person that we were uh, as a descendant of Adam whoever that was prior to our regeneration, the old self. And the purpose of the death of this old man, old self, whoever we were, in Adam, fallen, a sinner, when that dies, According to Romans six six, uh, the body of sin can be destroyed. So, what is the body of sin? Now, that's about as hard as old man. And I believe body of sin, body of sin means something like our identification with sin, or our participation in sin, or our practice of sin. So God works an operation inside of us at conversion that makes it possible for our life of sin, our identification with sin, our practice of sin to die as well. So this is talking about an operation in us, in our person, that results in a new kind of life, different kind of life than we were living before. Now, I feel like I need to hasten to say that uh, the the good results that God expects in our life because we have died with Christ now we're going to uh, not identify with sin or practice sin. I do not believe that I, that all changes overnight, and now we are perfected, and we will no longer sin ever again. Uh, I don't think that's a reality. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches that happens. But the Bible does teach this is the process that God is working in his people. Work this operation in the heart to move them out of the self they were before, move them into a new person, and then work in their hearts a new life. Then in Romans 6-8 says that if or since it is true that the believer has co-died with Christ, the believer will also then co-live with Christ. Uh, And I believe this co-living with Christ is what happens in this life. It's not talking just about, or maybe not at all about, living with Christ in heaven. It's talking about living with Christ here. Um, then in Second Corinthians 5, 14 to 17, I want to read that and make a few comments. It says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge this way or thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer, or the idea is we no longer think about Christ or know him simply as a human in a human body. He is more than that. He is that, but more than that. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or a new creature, King James says. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, So, one result of this operation that God performs in the heart of a new believer is he creates a new life and a new person. Every person who experiences this death that God works in the new believer, becomes a new creature or a new creation. Something dies and something new is created. And this happens in a place inside of us, each of you, that nobody sees. We don't see this inside someone. It's hidden. It's, it's at a deep level, a level of Who I am. So I was a sinner and now I am a saint. And you may not feel like one, uh, whatever. Uh, I'm going to say it doesn't matter. I know it matters how you feel. But this is a reality that is true in God's heart and mind about you. And it's true in you. That you are a new person. Whereas the person had been dead spiritually, they are now alive. And in John 3, this is referred to as being born again. And it's referred to as regenerated, converted. There are various words used in the New Testament to talk about this new birth, this change, this becoming alive spiritually. Sometimes it's referred to as regeneration. And this operation of God, um even here in Second Corinthians five, uh, the possibility what it says, the result is the possibility now exists for us to live a new kind of life. So now the the results um well, I want to say this the uh, one of the difficulties I think in the Christian life is you cannot you cannot live a resurrected life if you haven't experienced a death. Um, let's see. What more do I need to say? You don't try to resurrect something from the dead that hasn't died. It's first a death and then a resurrection. I'll come back to that in a little bit. All right, the results of our resurrection to life with Christ. Uh, the first one, uh, a, a life-seeking heavenly spiritual reality uh, in, in verse 1. Those things which are above, so Christ at God's right hand. I want to comment on that. That sounds like physical presence, a place Christ has a throne or something. He's sitting there. So I want to say Christ is both present to the Father in heaven. And present in our hearts. And I don't know how. But I believe it's true. He's not just off in heaven. He's not up there hiding from us. He's present to the Father. And he's present to us. So after our death and resurrection with Christ. We continue to live in a mortal body. Every one of you are sitting here in a body. You didn't become a believer and, and vanish into we don't know where. Okay? So, after our death and resurrection with Christ, we still live in a mortal body. We still live. We have an earthly existence, and we are affected by earthly things. Things like, okay, things like frustrations and tiredness and work to do and things that don't work, and we all, I don't have to go into all that, we all know there's plenty of these things, and they are part of life in the world, but that's not the only part of our life in the world. So, we continue to live in our earthly bodies uh, in a fallen world, uh, but we pursue Christ and Christ's way of life, and that's the idea here. Christ's interests have become our interests. Having died with Christ, we now live for him and in him, our life, there's a transition from um, earthly focus, to focus on Christ. And so we seek heavenly spiritual realities. We seek Christ. The second result is a life that is hidden with Christ, uh, which has the idea of deposited with belonging to So your life is hidden with Christ because you died with Christ. We do not have a life of our own. We do not live a life that is independent of Christ, separated from Christ. Our life is hidden, wrapped up in, submerged in Christ. And uh, so this means... Well, it can mean a number of things, but that whatever is true of Christ is true of the believer. That's one thing it means. Whatever concerns Christ concerns the believer. And the believer's life belongs to Christ. It's fully identified with Christ. Uh, He's identified with us. We're identified with him our life is hidden with, wrapped up in Christ. Then another result that's mentioned here is setting our affections on heavenly things. The word affections here means literally minds, thoughts. Uh, So the believer is not focused on in the context of Colossians, is not focused on human reasoning. It's focused on heavenly thoughts. Not human reasoning, not human systems, not human solutions. So the mind is focused, the thoughts are focused on Christ's thoughts. So we seek the believer seeks to know who Christ is and what Christ is thinking um, i don't I don't know how often you do this, just just ask yourself what does Christ think about what i'm thinking about or or maybe even pray and and say, "Lord Jesus, I give you permission to." speak into my mind what you want me to think. And that might sound strange to some of you, but I can just say that there is value in that and the Holy Spirit can speak the thoughts of Christ to us in our reading of the word, in our prayer time, in our contemplation of our life situation. Uh, In the midst of being frustrated, disappointed, discouraged. So, set our minds and thoughts on Christ. And another result then is a new lifestyle, which Paul begins to talk about in verse 5. Therefore, put to death your members, mortify uh, a new way of living. Mortify, therefore, our evil attitudes and actions. So, one result of dying and rising with Christ is a new kind of life, a lifestyle, an ordered life, as was mentioned in chapter 2. And then in verse 5, Paul tells us, he begins to tell us what this ordered lifestyle should look like. And he tells us how to live this way. And the idea of mortify in the King James is put to death or reckon as dead these sinful practices and sinful desires in whatever he mentions. And then in verse 8 and following, Paul talks about put off and put on. All of this is language that's meant to instruct us on how to live a different kind of life than we were. And I think we all know, we all know that this is a life process. uh, Yes, uh, getting older doesn't mean that you will get so perfected that you never, ever need to grow some more. It's just not true. This is a lifetime process. And uh, we will consider this uh, the next time I preach. From here so here's my summary uh, according to scripture every person experiences the death and resurrection of jesus inside their person when they receive jesus as their savior when they're born again and this is an operation of god that takes place in the heart of the person who trusts jesus And this dying and rising that takes place there can be experienced in life only as a person dies and rises with Christ in each event of life. That is where we experience the reality of it in our lifestyle. I'm sorry, did you hear what I said there? That the only way that we can experience the death and resurrection of Christ in our daily life, the effects of dying and rising in our conversion, we can experience it in our daily life only if we die with Christ in the events of life. And I mean by that, surrender to Christ, yield our I have to live, I have to have this my way, I have to I have to do whatever would feel good to me. Those kind of commitments to ourselves, the only way we live a dying to Christ and rising with Christ kind of life in life is if in each event we consciously choose to yield all of this to Christ and discern. what what the new life in Christ means here. I'm just trying to get this said. And one of the challenges, I think, in life is... uh, I have a a bunch of notes on this, and I don't have time to talk about it, so I'll just make a comment. Uh, One of the challenges... In this whole thing of dying and rising with Christ is that a lot of focus today in, I don't know what word to use, popular Christianity is on getting to heaven, trusting Jesus and getting to heaven. And uh, there can be pretty much a lack of focus on uh, the need to die in order to rise, the need to die to something in order to uh, have an upright, ordered lifestyle. And so, uh, our people are people. We we have never given up on this thing that that a believer lives an upright life. Okay? And I just want to say that the Bible doesn't give it up either. The Bible does not give up on the believer growing and changing and living in the ordered upright life. But if you don't if you don't include dying to self and sin, uh, you cannot live an upright, ordered life. So, the resurrection of Christ and his operation of dying us and rising us, I know that's terrible image, but if we don't have this view, um, you, you can work really hard in your own efforts and human reasoning, but you won't live the life that Jesus is calling for. I'm not trying to be negative here. Just, this is just... Uh, And I think that was part of the problem in Colossians 2, was these people did not have a proper understanding of dying and rising with Christ, and so they had these isms. They, they had these human uh, religious systems that Paul says will not produce victory over sin. So Christ is alive today, and the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to work in You, in me. And although he is in heaven, he's working every day to preserve us, to redeem us, to grow us. Um, The last thing I want to say is you cannot resurrect unless you first have a death. And a major hindrance to living a resurrected life is an unwillingness to surrender Uh, our desires to Jesus Christ and allow him to tell us what we need to die to in order to live a resurrected life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for coming to this earth and living and teaching and dying and rising. And thank you for living today with us and for us. And uh, thank you that the death uh, you want to die in us and the life you want to live in us is a good death and a good life, and deliver us from um, deliver us from negative notions of what it means to die and rise with you defeat whatever the devil would like for us to believe, that is not true. Uh, Bless each of us here, Lord, with understanding of these things, and uh, thank you that you are at work and you are growing us up into the uh, people that you recreated us to be in you. And thank you. Amen.